Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Good Wednesday morning on this January 3rd. Vanessa Denha-Garmo here, host of Epiphany, filling in for my dear sister in Christ, Teresa Tamio, this morning. And we're going to be talking about the Epiphany with Steve Ray will be joining us. It's one of my favorite feast days, as my name in Aramaic, Denha, means Epiphany. Uh, that is the manifestation of and revelation of parents. And, of course, in the, in the Latin rite, we focus on the three magi. and the Chaldean rite and the Eastern rite, we focus on the baptism of Jesus. So, But it's the epiphany where the Lord reveals truth on us. And, and in my show, I often ask our guests about their epiphany moments, their aha moments on their faith journey, where the Lord really shines truth on your life. And I was, I was thinking about these epiphany moments, the truth that we so badly need to see and hear and know, is to make that a goal of seeking truth in 2024. So I wrote about that in my blog. I do a lot of goal setting for clients as a communications and leadership and executive coach, team building coach. And we talk about our goals. And, you know, you can have these huge overall goals that you're trying to achieve but how do you break those down and so one of the goals that I really wanted to focus on is seeking truth in 2024 and that's why I shared that uh, with with my um, followers uh, at epiphanycommunications.com and I have a blog there and we're going to be talking about that truth with the epiphany what does the word epiphany mean Steve will talk with us about what do we celebrate in the epiphany what were the first big feast days in the early church how appropriate are the readings for January 6th, right? What do, what do we know about the Magi and how many and where are the Magi from? So why a house and not a stable? What is the first image we have of the Magi? What gifts do they bring and what do they represent? So we'll talk with Steve Ray about that here this morning on Catholic Connection. Teresa, we, so Teresa and I both wrote blogs that really tie into the new year. She has a wonderful blog, Beware But Not do not, but don't despair. Be aware, but don't despair. And it's at TeresaTamio.com. And it's a wonderful, wonderful blog on how we have to focus on our Lord. And we're, and, and that's something we're both talking about, really tying into seeking truth. Be aware of what's going on in the world, but don't despair. And she includes a wonderful biblical quote from uh, 2 Timothy, For God did not give us a spirit of cowardness, but rather of power, love, and self-control. So if you want to read Teresa's blog, go to TeresaTamio.com, and there's a wonderful blog. You can also find it at TravelItalyExpert.com as well. Teresa's going to come on my show and talk about her blog as well. But how are we seeking truth this 2024, right? And, and don't despair because the, the Lord is in control. So in order to really be grounded in your faith, we have to seek God first and truth in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So we'll be talking about that with Steve Ray as well as we focus on the epiphany. Also uh, joining us here on Catholic Connection this morning, Dr. Patrick Castle, president and founder of Life Runners. He'll talk about this organization and what they do, their plans, including how they'll be at the March for Life later this month in Washington, D.C., He's uh, currently in St. Louis, Missouri, attending the SEEK conference put on by Focus. Uh, so he can, uh, we'll share his thoughts as well on that. So we have two guests joining us this hour again. Steve Ray talking with us about the Epiphany and Dr. Patrick Castle, president and founder of Life Runners. And I started a, a tradition a couple few years ago. Um, so as I said, Epiphany uh, in Aramaic, which is the language Jesus Christ spoke, is Denha. It's Denha Day, uh, which is my last name, and it literally means the epiphany of Jesus Christ. And so in my family, there was always a tradition that we would never take down our Christmas decorations until after the epiphany. And I never understood what that meant until one day I was looking at the Chaldean liturgical calendar, and I saw right on there Denha Day, and I'm like, oh, that's actually a, a holiday. <laughs> that's actually a feast day. And I talked to my dad, he goes, yes, it's the epiphany of Jesus Christ. That's why we do not take down the decorations. And it was really, for my dad, it wasn't about the stockings. You know, it was really about the nativity scene. He did not want the nativity scene taken down until after the epiphany. And so a few years ago, my dad happened to die around the epiphany, too. He passed away 22 years ago on January 10th. And so it's around the epiphany, which is January 6th. 
And so um, a few years ago, I started where I would have a mass for my dad, uh, which we're doing this Sunday on January 7th, and then have my family over for brunch. So I started a new family tradition, and I, I'm excited to have them again this year. We've been doing this for the last three, four years. And uh, in addition to that, I started another tradition with my sisters. I have six sisters, and we every Friday morning we get together via Zoom, and we pray for about 45 minutes together. And we pray for each other. We pray for our mom. We pray for things going on in the world. And, and so think about ways. When you, when you talk about seeking truth in the blog that I wrote, prayer is number one. Daily prayer is so important. Is that part of your routine to reach your goal? So when you, when you create a goal, you have to break that down of how you're going to do that. And you can really be specific. I'm going to pray every morning at 6.30 in my office. Or I'm going to pray. Maybe you have a prayer room. Be very specific. If you want to lose weight and get healthy, I'm going to exercise every day at 7 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going to go to the gym, or I'm going to do the treadmill, or I'm going to walk around the block. Be very specific of what are you going to do, where are you going to do it, and when you're going to do it. That's part of achieving goals and things that I talk with my clients about when we're talking about reaching goals in our coaching sessions. So you, you create a goal. Sometimes you have big picture goals, and then you narrow it down to one specific goal, and then you narrow it down to a strategy and how you're going to create that goal. So think about that in 2024 and take that to prayer. Where, what is the Lord calling you to do? Uh, and then, you know, I, I really encourage my listeners on Epiphany. I share a quote of the day, and then I share a, a, a question, a coach's question of the day, that I really encourage people to take to prayer and listen to the Lord revealing those epiphany moments on you that the truth is revealing on you you're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream that's my epiphany quote of the day that's from c.s lewis and my coach's question of the day is what are your goals for 2024 really sit down meditate invite the lord to guide you in creating those goals for this new year we're approaching eight minutes past the hour and vanessa dentagarmo filling in for teresa tamio and now it's time for the news Just taking a scan of the weather around the country here in Detroit. It's a high of 37 degrees and cloudy skies today. Cincinnati, a high of 39. Chicago, partly sunny skies with a high of 38. St. Louis, 43. Memphis is 43 degrees. New Orleans, 54 with a cloudy, sky, cloudy skies. Rain showers in Houston at 57 degrees. And if we look at uh, in Miami, uh, just a high of 72, and, and, and in Tampa, only a high of 64, deg- 64 degrees. Los Angeles on the West Coast, 65 sunny skies. Phoenix, Arizona, 65 sunny skies. San Francisco, rain showers all day of high of 59. Seattle, rain showers high of 46 degrees. New York, sunny skies, a high of 43. And Boston, sunny skies, a high of 38, 44 as a high in Washington and sunny skies as well. Reports say a senior Hamas leader is dead following an alleged Israeli drone strike in a suburb of Beirut. The attack killed a group's top deputy along with six others. Israel has not claimed responsibility for the attack. For the New York Times reports, senior U.S. officials confirmed Israel was behind the strike. The Lebanese militant group Hezbollah called it a serious attack on Lebanon and a dangerous development. In the war, Harvard University President Claudine Gay is resigning. New York Representative Elise Stefanik says she has seen a failure of leadership from Gay. A failure of moral leadership, but also a failure of academic integrity, which is a cornerstone of any higher education institution. Gay announced her decision Tuesday in a message to the Harvard community. This comes following allegations of plagiarism and a campus controversy over anti-Semitism. Gay's tenure is now the shortest in the school's history after she became Harvard's first black president in July. She faced pressure to resign following a congressional hearing in early December in which she and other university presidents struggled to answer whether calling for genocide of Jews violates their code of conduct. Palestine supporters are holding a march in Washington, D.C. next week. The Council on American-Islamic Relations and other organizers are planning the March on Washington for Gaza on January 13th. The event looks to bring attention to the human impact of Israeli-Hamas war and call for a ceasefire. The organizers are also pushing to end American aid to Israel's military. A large delegation of Republican lawmakers will be in Eagle Pass, Texas, Wednesday to get a first-hand look at the border. Lisa 
Taylor has more. The group of about 60 will be led by House Speaker Mike Johnson. Republicans plan to make the border issues a main talking point in the upcoming elections. The trip comes amid stepped-up efforts from House Republicans to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. I'm Lisa Taylor. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez is facing additional federal criminal charges, Lisa G. reports. In a new superseding indictment returned on Tuesday, officials are accusing Menendez of making positive comments about Cutter in exchange for expensive items, including luxury wristwatches. Menendez and his wife Nadine are charged with accepting cash, gold bars, and a Mercedes from three businessmen in exchange for political favors. The senator, top Democrat and former chair of the Foreign Relations Committee, is also accused of acting as an agent of the Egyptian government. He has pled not guilty to all prior counts. Former President Trump's legal team is appealing a ruling by the Maine Secretary of State that he is ineligible to appear on the state's GOP primary ballot. The appeal has been done to Maine Superior Court, the state's top trial court. Trump's attorney said in the appeal that ruling was the product of a process affected by bias and pervasive lack of due process. Several factors have led to a cooler labor market in recent months, something the Fed has been trying to do for well over a year. And as Aaron Real reports, economists now expect hiring to slow considerably in 2024. Job growth is likely to stay concentrated in a handful of sectors, including health care and social assistance, things like child care workers and home care aides, as well as leisure and hospitality and state and local government. Outside of those industries, hiring has slowed sharply and in some areas contracted. But experts believe unemployment is unlikely to increase dramatically as companies shy away from firing workers. Labor shortages and the high turnover costs over the past several years mean firms are hesitant to let their workers go even as economic growth slows. The Fellowship of Catholic University's Focus Seek 24 conference is underway this week in St. Louis. Catholic News Agency reports more than 19,000 are attending mostly young people from around the country and the world. The event aims to galvanize young people to deepen and share their Catholic faith. This year's SEEK conference is bigger than 2023's by almost every metric, according to organizers. The conference currently has more than 19,000 paid attendees registered, a 28% increase over the last year. A bill has been filed at Oklahoma legislature that would require the Ten Commandments be displayed in public school classrooms. It can either be a poster or a framed copy of the biblical teachings. The move has the backing of the state superintendent of schools. He previously discussed recommendations from a group calling itself the Oklahoma Advisory Council on Founding Principles, which included posting the Ten Commandments. Gas prices are falling in this first week of the new year. Michael Kastner reports. AAA reports a national average price for regular is 3.09 a gallon. That's one cent lower than Tuesday's average, three cents lower than a week ago, and 15 cents lower than a month ago. The low price leader is Texas, where the statewide average is down a penny to 2.64 a gallon. California again has the nation's most expensive gas, with a state average of 4.71 a gallon. One popular New Year's resolution is to get married in 2024, but wedding experts predict a slowdown this year thanks to inflation. In the trends over the years, when interest rates go up, inflation goes up, weddings you know, tend to become either more conservative or fewer. Wedding planner Tracy French says the one trend she's watching this year are events that are adults only. This is one way that couples have found to cut costs. Another trend is to have intimate ceremonies on a Friday with a larger separate party the next day. It's 14 minutes past the hour. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for my dear sister, Teresa Tamio. We'll be right back with Steve Ray after the break. CMF Curo is a Catholic health care ministry providing families nationwide with a better solution centered around whole health, spirit, mind, and body. Our members share their medical burdens within a faith-filled community. At CMF Curo, our members have access to a spiritual director, concierge services, and other health and spiritual resources. Find out if CMF Curo is a better solution for your family. Visit MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. Why is the new law, the law of the gospel, called the law of love? It is so called because it helps us act out of love, infused by the Holy Spirit rather than fear. It is also called the law of grace. The Catechism tells us it gives us the strength to act by means of faith and the sacraments. A third name for the new law is the law of freedom. 
because it frees us from the ritual and juridical observances of the old law. It prompts us to act spontaneously via the nudgings of charity. It allows us to move from servant to friend of Christ and even to son and heir. For all that I have heard from my Father, the Lord said, I have made known to you. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. You're listening to Ave Maria Radio. Ave Maria Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile. Everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com So coming up is uh, my favorite feast day, actually, is the Epiphany, as it uh, translates from Denha, from Aramaic. And to talk with us about that is our own Steve Ray. Happy New Year and happy Epiphany Day, Steve. Well, thank you very much, Vanessa. I'm always happy to join you and share these wonderful things together. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the Epiphany. What does the word Epiphany mean? I think everybody's heard somebody say, oh, I had an epiphany yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, hear it periodically. It means to have a, man, a revelation, an appearance, a manifestation. All of a sudden you realize something. Oh, my goodness, I just, I just realized this. I just saw this. Something was revealed to me. That's an epiphany. And the whole thing here is Jesus manifesting himself, revealing himself to the world, but it's specifically to the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I love when, it, as you know, when you on my show Epiphany on Ave Maria Radio, I love to ask our guests about their Epiphany moments or aha moments on their faith journey. Well, yeah. the Lord is really revealed, and we can have so many of those uh, moments as we grow closer in Christ. So, yeah. it, you know, and I had Bishop Francis on my show yesterday, and Steve, you can elaborate a little bit on this. He explained how in the Eastern Rite, we celebrate it a little differently than the Latin Rite. In the Eastern Rite, it's about the baptism. In the Latin Rite, it's about the visit of the Magi. Yes, it, it it's really about three different things, but the Magi came later, actually. Okay. But in the West, that's what we emphasize, is the is the wise men, the Magi arriving, and kind of an epiphany revealing um, Jesus to the Gentiles, which is, which is very significant, because Jesus didn't just come for the Jewish people. That was a primary. He was a Jew born of a woman, born under the law, it says in Galatians 4.4. 4. And he came for the Jewish people, but he also, the beauty of... The, this feast day here of the uh, Magi is they are not Jewish people. They came from the east, maybe from Persia, and others think from maybe from the Nabataeans around uh, Petra. But the, the uh, idea is that it's the revelation. But originally, it was three, two things. One was the baptism of Jesus, and I know that's what the east celebrates. Is when Jesus was baptized, what happened? Mm-hmm. You heard a voice come down out of heaven, and people heard it. And you had the Holy Spirit come down on him. And there you have the Trinity right there in front of your eyes and ears, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's a great revelation, a great manifestation, an appearance, so to speak, or an epiphany. So you have that. That's That's been the main emphasis. But also the wedding of Cana was included because... It says at the end of that little section there, John chapter 2, and his disciples saw what he did, the sign, and they believed in him. And what happened at that moment is he was revealed his divinity because up until then he's just the carpenter boy, <laughs> just yeah. the guy who's out there doing carpenter with calluses on his hands, right, from working. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden they saw this miracle and his glory or his divinity was revealed. He's not just a carpenter. He's something much different. There was an epiphany there for people. And so those are the two, the, the baptism of our Lord and the wedding of Cana that were originally celebrated, but the arrival of the Magi was added too. And the interesting thing is Christmas did not show up on the calendar or was not even mentioned before 325. But the epiphany was one of the three great feast days, the other one being Easter and this one. And this is 
Christmas only came later. So this is a this is a big deal, and and we don't celebrate it as let's say profoundly as importantly as the early Christians did, and as the Eastern Christians still do. Hmm. And you also mentioned that St. Pope John Paul II gave 52 homilies that mentioned the word or Sunday <laughs> on the Pippin. Talk to us about that. Well, isn't that something that yes. um, out of all the homilies, out of all the homilies that he gave in Wednesday audiences, um, I went I went and checked on this, and and it's really quite significant. I don't know that there's any other topic that he mentioned as often. So that is either where his his talk was centered on it, and he had some specifically just on Epiphany, which were beautifully written. I mean, people should go back and read them. Um, we shouldn't let John Paul II fade into the past because that man was one brilliant uh, pope and saint. And and I had the opportunity to meet him twice, so I haven't washed my hands ever since. You know, I've got to shook hands with a saint. But um, either the word epiphany is in the homily or the general audience, or it was specifically on that. So 52 times homilies were, were mentioned, epiphany by John Paul II, which is very significant, I think. I love that. And you, you, again, you mentioned how Christmas was not one of the feast, big feast days in yeah. the early church, but Easter, Epiphany, and Pentecost were. Um, right. So, so how, you know, how should we, I'm going to talk about the appropriate of the readings for January 6th I want to share with us, but how should we be celebrating this feast day too? Well, I think we, as Gentiles especially, there's a few things that happen that really point to uh, give encouragement to us Gentiles, because knowing that Jesus, the Jews knew he was going to come and he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Their prophets had prophesied about it. And Paul writes in Ephesians that you Gentiles, you are without hope and without God in the world because you weren't in the Jewish lifestyle. You weren't in the Jewish family, so to speak, or in that covenant. But now because of Christ, even the Gentiles have brought in been brought in and we have access to the holy of holies now only the Baha'i had access to that but but the beauty of this epiphany is that it's revealing also for us gentiles the the wise men from the east they're not jewish they come and they get to see and bow down and worship jesus and so we can do the same you know at the end of the gospels at end of jesus's life we see another event where foreigners come so to speak gentiles it says that in john chapter 12 right before his crucifixion the greeks came so here we have the epiphany is the um Gentiles from the east come, but at the in John chapter twelve, at the end, the Gentiles from the west, the Greeks come looking for Jesus. And after they talk for a moment, he says, "Now it is time for the Son of Man to be." It's now is the time because the east and the west have come together. They both acknowledged him, and he's ready now to do the great work. So it's a very important for us as Gentiles. You know, the same kind of thing is he multiplied loaves and fish at least twice. Once on the west side of the Sea of Galilee for where the Jewish people live, but he also multiplied loaves and fish once on the eastern shore, which was Gentile territory. So he was always giving hints all along that we Gentiles are going to be included in all of this too. And that's what Epiphany really is. You know, uh, Steve, we're gonna, we have a couple of minutes before we have to take a break. Can you elaborate on uh, Isaiah? 65-6 that you mentioned in the, in the greetings? Yes, we know that the Old Testament is full of prophecies of the coming Christ and of the church, all of the things that is typology, there's allusions, there's prophecies. The Old Testament is just ripe with all of that. And the church pulled out Isaiah chapter 60 because as we read it here, it sure seems like it's referring to this, for the riches of the sea shall be emptied out before you, the wealth of nations shall be brought to you. So what was brought to Jesus on that day in Mary and Joseph, the wealth of nations. They were part of the spice route or the um, the, the Via Maris, the road that cared. Israel, by the way, the reason it's so uh, so popular or so much in the news is because it always has been the bridge between the great civilizations. You have the Hittites up in the European area, and you have the Persians and the Babylonians over to the east, and you have Egypt, which was the world superpower of the day down in the south. So in order to get to those, you had to go through the land of Israel. And so you have the wealth of nations is being brought to you. It's mentioning here caravans and camels shall fill you. Dromedaries, which is just another word for camels, from Sheba shall come, bearing gold and frankincense, which were two of the gifts that Jesus got 
gold, frankincense, and myrrh, proclaiming the praises of the Lord. It sure sounds like the wise men coming, doesn't it? So yeah. the church sees in these Old Testament passages and in others the uh, the uh, looking forward to the prophecies, and when they happen, then you can say, Ah, yes. I'm of course, that was what the prophet Isaiah was referring to. So mm. the, the, the church is wise. A lot of people don't pay attention to the readings. Usually the first and the last gospel reading are always corollary, and it's always fun to say, how does the church see those fit together? Amen. We're going to continue our conversation with Steve Ray after the break. What do we know about the Magi and how many were there? We're going to come back with Steve Ray after this. conversation today with Steve Ray. We're talking about the Epiphany, the feast day of the Epiphany this weekend. And Steve, let's talk about the Magi. Uh, tell us about the Magi. You know, what do we know about them and how many were there? They're kind of mysterious guys. We don't really know much about them, <clears throat> although I would recommend people want to research it more. Uh, Father Dwight Longenecker has a book called The Mystery of the Magi and the quest for the identity and it's a it's quite a good book um but they're pretty much mysterious uh, all through history most have thought they came from persia he thinks they came from petra area of of the nabataeans um i've always been one that thought they came from um they're just so exotic in a way have come from persia of the of the east that's really when you say the East, it's over there. So they were ancient wise men who were specialists in dream interpretation, astrology, and sometimes magic. So they were in a cast, you could say, of their own. And even in the Old Testament, Magi are referred to several times um, as these kind of guys from the East. And I, I jokingly say that uh, they must have had really good eyesight because in order to be an astrologer, uh, astronomy to study the stars you have to be able to see them and for example if i went out um tonight and just and even if it was a clear night and looked up without my glasses on i'm not going to see a whole lot but i put my glasses on and i see these little white dots up there which are the stars so they obviously they're probably younger guys because as we get older our eyesight starts to fail yeah but yeah. they must have had good eyesight but we don't know how many there were the in tradition there's been as many as uh, ten and as few as two. So there's no, the scriptures don't say three magi came. It just said they magi came. The reason that we consider it being three is because there are three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we kind of get this idea mm -hmm. that there's three camels coming across the desert and, and there's uh, each one of the wise men has a big box in his lap. One's got the gold one, the myrrh, and one's got the incense. But there are even in, um, in the uh, catacombs of Priscilla in Rome around probably the third century. And I've been in these uh, catacombs many times and seen them. We filmed in there when we did the Apostolic Fathers down in the catacombs. There is the first image that we ever have of the Magi. They're coming to Mary. Mary's holding the baby. And they're coming with their hands outstretched with something in their hands. One is kind of a greenish, darker color. One is red and one is kind of a brownish color. So even back in the third, uh, third, fourth century, the uh, people had the impression that there were three. So mm -hmm. that would, that's, uh, but, and their names traditionally, though these aren't mentioned in scripture and they came much later. Their names are Melchor, Balthazar, and Gaspar. I like those names. They, they, they just, they have a ring to them. So how do we know, if they're not in Scripture, how do we know those were their names? We don't know that they're names. One of the uh, things of, of our whole tradition is that we embellish things at times, okay. and so we don't know their names. Also, for example, we don't know the names of Mary's parents. That's not in the Bible, but yet there was a second century document called the Proto-Evangelium of James that told us their names were Joachim and Anna. And mm -hmm. so they, we, we picked that up because it's a, probably a very historical document. And the early church, before there was a collection of books in the New Testament, the early church had that right along with the rest of the books. And mm -hmm. so there's a lot of um, things that we 
either uh, historical or traditional things that we learned later, or we just embellish things sometimes mm-hmm. and uh, give them those names. And I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of like those names. Yeah. So let's talk about the three "We Three Kings" by uh, John Henry Hopkins Jr. The song. I like we, that. Yeah. Yep, it, that's a it's a beautiful hymn. We three kings of Orient are. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I sing much longer, everybody's gonna turn their radios off. <laughs> but the um, this is a, a beautiful song because there's three gifts, and each of the gifts has been seen, and I agree with it, representing some aspect of Jesus's life. First of all, the verse says, born a king on Bethlehem's plain. Well, that's significant because Judah is the tribe of the kings. And David was from Judah. David was from Bethlehem. He is the prototypical king of Israel. And gold I bring to crown him again. So David was the great king on Bethlehem's plain, but now I'm bringing gold to crown him again. Jesus, king forever, ceasing never, over us all shall reign. So the gold represents that kingship. Then we go to the next verse. It says, frankincense to offer have I. Incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising, all men raising, worship to God on high. So incense, a frankincense, was what was burned in this in the temple. It's a it's a priestly thing of burning incense. Even at the, um, the feast day of Mary, Mother of God, on the first we had incense there. What is that? That is the church offering up its prayers to God. And so the first, second one then, the first one is the king. The second one is the priestly aspect of Jesus. They're so bringing him frankincense for the priestly sacrifices. And then the last one is a little bit morbid. It says, myrrh is mine, says a third wise man. Myrrh is mine. I'm bringing you that. It's a bitter perfume. Breathes the life of gathering gloom. Sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in a stone-cold tomb. Why would that be said? Because myrrh is how you embalmed someone after death. Myrrh was used to for the, to cover the body as an, an embalming or a preparation for burial. So in a way, that's like it's kind of macabre because you're bringing the king, this baby king, at his birth. You're bringing him his coffin, almost. Mm. You can view it that way. Like here's your coffin because you're going to die. Here's yeah. the myrrh is mine, a bitter perfume. So you've got those three, and it's really nice. And then the last verse summarizes it all. Glorious now, behold him rise. There's the king. He's uh, he's the king and God and sacrifice. Alleluia, alleluia, earth to heaven replies. So you've got the glorious now, behold him rise. He's the king, the gold, God, the frankincense, and sacrifice the myrrh. Mm. I love that. We're talking with Steve Ray today here about the Epiphany, and there's so many more questions I want to get to. We have about uh, two, two minutes left with you, Steve. What else do you want to share with our listeners? What else do you want them to know? Well, it's interesting, too, that it says that they um, that they obviously were no longer in the place of animals, the cave with the manger, because it says that they brought the wise men came to the house where they were. And just about a 10 minute walk from the church of nativity is another uh, cave, which was a dwelling considered a house. And it's called the milk grotto. It's all white inside because the tradition is, is that Mary was feeding the baby, a drop of milk fell on the ground and miraculously the whole inside of the cave turned white. And there have been thousands and thousands of babies born because of prayers there. And you take some of that white powder and if you drink it in the morning with a prayer, and there are testimonials of thousands of babies that were born because of that uh, devotion. So they said that they came to the house where they were. So um, here's I'm going to give you five quick things that we learned from the Magi. God okay. keeps his promise. He does that. God keeps his promise. He even tells the, the Magi to come, and the promised Messiah comes. He wants to be known. God wants us to know him. He even brought those magi all destruction because they had hearts for God, obviously, and he wanted them to know him. Salvation is for all people, not just the Jews, not just special people. Salvation for God is for everybody. Not all follow the light of the Lord. Herod rejected him, but these guys followed him, and we should be bold in following him, too, even asking the king, where's the new king? But even making great journeys if we have to. To discover Amen. Christ. Amen. Steve Ray, thank you so much for being with us and sharing with us about the Epiphany. Happy New Year to you. We'll be right back after this and talk with Dr. Petra Castle after the break.
Jason. Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for Teresa Tamio this morning. Joining us now is Dr. Patrick Castle, president and founder of Life Runners, and we're talking about the Seek Conference put on by Focus. Welcome to Catholic Connection, Dr. Pat. Hey, God morning, Vanessa. <laughs> it is a God morning. Amen to that. I love it. <laughs> so, and speaking of God morning, there's a wonderful conference in St. Louis right now, uh, the Seek Conference, and tell us about that put on by Focus. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. All things good, beautiful, and true of God are going on at the Seek Conference. And so also it's exciting because today is first Wednesday of the month, which is the drumbeat for life runners around the world to put on their Remember the Unborn shirt or jacket and wear it out into the world as a public witness. So today it's going to be fun seeing the college students that are life runners wearing their Remember the Unborn shirts and bearing witness today. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've enjoyed interacting. This is day three of the seat conference. And after two days, there were 114 college students from campuses across the country that joined Life Runners, bringing the number of Life Runners around the world to 22,891 in 3,500 cities around the world. So it's just great to see the planting and watering and just watching God make it grow in such an environment. You know, and I understand that uh, there's a 28% increase from last year's attendance at the SEEK conference. What do you think is really attracting these young people to this conference? Yeah, I I think it's because young people are realizing that it's time for such a time as this, that it's like we've got to step it up as Christians. You know, when we're moving from Christendom to apostolic mission, it's great to see that high school and college-age students are getting it, that, hey, we need to activate our faith. We need to be James chapter 1, verse 22, not just hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. And certainly any college student that's at seek for a whole week, starting from you know, January 1st and to January 5th, so a week of their college break, these are serious Christians. These are people mm-hmm. that are Really, you know, just like Jesus said, repent, pick up your cross, and follow me. And it's awesome to see whatever, the, you know, 20,000-ish college students doing exactly that. And so mm-hmm. I think it's probably a reflection of just a realization that it's go time. You know, we, we've, we've got to activate the Church in another degree of intentionality and, and really being Christ to the world. I love that, too, because, you know, the theme of be the light. You are the children of the light. You belong to Christ, and he has called yeah. you by name by Pope John Paul II. And I love that because it really ties into uh, the epiphany and what we've been talking about all morning here on Catholic Connection of the Lord shining truth on us, being the light. Yeah. You know, the light shines on the darkness. So can you kind of elaborate <laughs> yeah. on that? Well, I'm I'm a scientist by trade, so I have a Ph.D. in nanoanalytical chemistry. I'm not a physicist but I worked with light as well mm-hmm. in a laser lab for working at the atomic level. Wow. And in that analogy, when I think about light, and of course light, for everyone thinking back to their science classes, is made up of photons. And so to imagine that if we are coming together as the body of Christ, as each of our souls like a photon of light, and you can see when all those photons are together, in a place like the Seat Conference. So I reflect back to the opening Mass on Monday night with Archbishop Rosansky, and he also just happens to be one of our Life Runner bishops. There's 22 Life Runner bishops. Also behind him, sitting behind him, were four other Life Runner bishops, Bishop Paprocki from Springfield, Archbishop Nauman from Kansas City, Bishop Wright from Springfield, Missouri, and then Bishop... Rivetuso from Missouri as well. So it was just great seeing these life runner bits up there. But to your point on your previous question about it being bigger and growth, Archbishop Rosansky said, hey, I was here last year, and I'm looking out, and this is a bigger group of people this year. So he, mm. he acknowledged just by looking out to, to the masses and to think, 
you know, the the multitudes. I, I looked out across that, and Vanessa, I imagine Jesus and the stories in the Bible or, or those that watched The Chosen where they reenacted with the multitudes, the 5,000. And I could kind of visualize, like, wow, like, that could that, that's like us. We're here before the, the Eucharist, the real body and blood of Christ, that we're really receiving Jesus, and the light is really being magnified and intensified like a laser beam of photons out into the culture, piercing the darkness. It, mm. it really was powerful seeing that multitudes at that Mass. I love that. And we're talking with Dr. Petra Castle, president and founder of Life Runners, and we're talking about the SEEK conference going on right now, put on by Focus. Tell us a little bit about the speakers uh, at the SEEK conference before we take a break and continue with you. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, you know, these are, these are speakers that are tried and true. You know, these are folks that are, that are loving it. But just while I was leaving last night, um, the, the big expo, where I've been interacting with the students, I, I walked by Father Mike Schmitz, who was getting ready to mm-hmm. present to you know, the, the large group. And it was just great to go by and, Father Mike, you know, and he turned and I was able to give him a high five. Hey, Life Runner Pat Castle. Big smile. Yeah, hey, Pat. And just to see that kind of camaraderie of the body of Christ, all this interaction, many parts of one body, for me it was just great seeing those Catholic leaders, the, the holy men and women. And of course, you can visualize when that's like the March for Life that's coming up, the Vigil Mass, when you see all the seminarians and priests and bishops, uh, cardinals marching in for the Vigil Mass. It had that feeling at that opening Mass. So the speakers, you just you really get a sense of Christ is present, the light is being magnified, and so it's just a lot of great voices here, inspiring, encouraging. And, of course, when those two words are there, God is there. I love it. So, Dr. Pat, we're going to take a break, president and founder of Life Runners. When we come back, we're going to, you're going to elaborate with us about what's going on with Life Runners. So let's take a break. We'll come back with Dr. Patrick Castle right after this. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Maybe you've been hearing a lot about the need to make a spiritual communion while participating from home in a live-streamed or broadcast Mass. There's more to it than reciting the act of spiritual communion. We should begin by having sincere repentance for our sins and affirming our belief that Christ's death redeemed us. Next, we call to mind the spiritual gifts found in Christ's sacrifice and thank God earnestly for them. Now we are disposed to pray the traditional prayer of spiritual communion. Jesus, I embrace you and unite myself wholly to you. Light of the East, weekends on Ave Maria Radio. I am Father Thomas Loya. This week on Ave Maria, so much decorating, so many lights to put up. It is the ancient iconography of the church, even one painted by our Blessed Mother herself, that will explain our need for imagery. Now on Ave Maria Radio's newest FM stations, 105.5 FM in Southfield and 107.9 FM in Ann Arbor. On the next Epiphany. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Vanessa Denhagarmo here. Stout-hearted Steve Ray will join us to share upcoming pilgrimages and will encourage us in this new year. Ron Ward will give us some tips to live confidently in God. Epiphany, weekdays at noon. And be sure to catch past episodes in our archive at AveMariaRadio.net. Continuing our conversation here with Dr. Patrick Castle, president and founder of Life Runners. We've been talking about the SEEK conference being put on by Focus going on right now in St. Louis. And Dr. Pat, tell us about Life Runners. Give our listeners an overview. What, what is Life Runners? Well, Vanessa, maybe the best news about Life Runners is that running is optional. So anyone <laughs> that's having anxiety about the title of our postulate, yeah. and, and to even make it better, 
the non-running life runners are better life runners because you can read their Remember the Unborn jerseys and jackets easier when they're walking. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) I actually wrote a thesis paper in college, uh, thesis in my freshman year in college on running versus walking. So it just Uh reminded me to think of that. Well, walking is better for life runners because you can can really read the message and visit with people, et cetera. So, no, Life Runners is a pro-life messaging ministry. It's motivated by that social science stat that 78% of post-abortion women said that just one person had encouraged them to choose life or one message or, or a sign had encouraged them to choose life, they would not have aborted their child. So enter Life Runners, an encouraging person with an encouraging message on our back. Remember the unborn. So anyone listening that is like, hey, you know, I could do that. Of course we can. We've got to wear something. Why not wear our witness? Mm-hmm. And everyone's qualified. The ages on the team, Vanessa, ages 0.1. Yep, little babies in onesies. Remember the unborn onesies. How powerful are those little witnesses? To 101. We have life runners in, in nursing homes and wheelchairs, homebound, wearing the witness and interacting with their loved ones and neighbors. And it matters. Those conversations matter. Those messages matter. Imagine some, uh, like a, a grocery store clerk, uh, you know, and you're walking through a grocery store or you're checking out and you turn and that grocery store clerk sees that message on your back. Remember the unborn. And it's encouraging. And that clerk could be in an unexpected pregnancy considering abortion. And mm-hmm. per the social science, that little nudge, that nudge of encouragement, which is holy. It, it, it that's all they needed. So, wow, you know, how simple, how powerful. So that's Life Runners. Everyone's quali- qualified and invited. Go to liferunners.org. It takes about a minute to register, so you get our monthly updates. You order a shirt or jacket, and you wear it. Now, what are the cool things coming up for 2024? Well, one, we do a big national retreat where we go to a big national race. And, mm-hmm. and this year, it's in Portland, Oregon. So kind of think about the, the culture there and the laws there. And, and of course, they're, they're really slanted towards abortion, towards death, towards darkness. And so we're going to go be a light, that kind of theme we have going with Seek, to be the light. Life Runners going to go. So imagine 100 or 200 people in the one-mile fun run, the 5K, the half marathon, and the marathon. So all these different distances, people can walk them or run them show up and you see these jerseys, Vanessa, strewn at different speeds and, and spaces because, you know, we're all different uh, capabilities and speeds, which is great. We love our really, you know, slower walking life runners, as we talked about, and we also have some pretty speedy ones. So that message is from start to finish throughout that race being reinforced with those thousands of people that come and view a major marathon. So that's happening. Um mm-hmm. Second thing is we've got the Across America Relay, September 7th to October 18th. And it is the largest spanning pro-life event in the world. You know, 5,200 miles across 40 days kicks off in the uh, Times Square in New York City. It kicks off in Union Square in San Francisco. It kicks off in, in the Student Union Square at the University of Texas in Austin. Think about these places I'm rattling off. And then finally, up in front of uh, Planned Parenthood in Moorhead, Minnesota. So those are the four arms, north, south, east, and west. And they come towards each other for 40 days, concluding in Rowe Park in Kansas City, Missouri. So think about the power of all those little photons of light, that theme we have going, encouraging when people see that witness moving in little 5K segments across the country. And people can do it on the course, Vanessa, or they can do it geographically separated. So we have life runners around the world, as I mentioned in the first segment, 3,500 cities, 46 nations. So the life runners in other nations, they're doing their little 5K segments wherever they live, whether it's Africa or the island of Fiji. So they're adopting little segments of the course. And the name of it again, the Across America Relay. Across, it makes Across America. So those are the two big events in 2024 for Life Runners. So, Dr. Pat, what inspired you to uh, be involved with Life Runners? How did this come to be? (laughs) Well... 
I was running up a mountain in Colorado, Pikes Peak, in a race called the Pikes Peak Ascent in 2006. And uh, I got into a thick fog, got a little lost, if you will, at the top of the mountain, uh, found myself in some deep prayer through the intercession of my mom, who also kind of sensed that things weren't going well. She asked her friend, St. Pio, to finish the race with Mm -hmm. me. And Mm -hmm. so the last 10 minutes of that race, I had a really awesome encounter with St. Pio, which, of mm-hmm. course, this is right down his lane. He mm-hmm. uh, was by location and encouraging people yeah. on the side of heaven. And so it's a great story. People can go listen to it at liferunners.org slash creed. They can see the Life Runners Creed. They can listen to the story of the encounter I had with St. Pio. But that was the beginning. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, I mean, the crown jewel of Satan is abortion. It's the most heinous yeah. evil imaginable. So we shine light on it. And I like that we do it in an encouraging, hope-filled, positive, compassionate way. So if you're listening, you're fully qualified to be a life runner. Uh, jump online, liferunners.org, join, order a shirt or jacket that says Remember the Unborn and wear it. We've got lots of chapters, 320 chapters, and that's across the country. A hundred of them are in schools. And if you have students or you are a student, you have kids or grandkids in schools, we send free shirts to schools. We'll fill the whole school with free shirts that they wear on the first Wednesday of the month at school. And today, again, is the first Wednesday of the month. So wear your witness, and we'd love to have you join Life Runners to help impact hearts and minds for saving lives. Dr. Patrick Castle, President and Founder of Life Runners, thank you so much for being with us here in Catholic Connection this morning. You bet, Vanessa. God bless you. God bless you and all that you do. And thank you all for tuning in here on Catholic Connection and for allowing me to sit in the host chair for Teresa Tamio. Uh, God willing, she'll, re- you know, recover from being a little bit under the weather. She'll be back in her host chair. Wishing all of you a very blessed day. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.